Hello everyone, I'm Izzy Wells and welcome to Uncovered, where we explore the creative scene in Taiwan. I hope you all enjoyed Marcel's interview from last Friday and I will now be bringing you part two. We go into more details about his work and symbolism within some of the pieces in the exhibition. Let's talk about um, one of the pieces in your exhibition, mm-hmm. uh, The Front Line. I'll include a picture for our listeners. Now, this piece consists of 12 tiles mm-hmm. that make up a kind of mural. Mm. Um, and a woman dressed as a clown is bearing a flag in the center and she's floating above the crowds of protesters. Um, now, this central figure, she's she's very significant. Would you mind telling our listeners about her story? The mime, mm-hmm. uh, la mimo in, in Spanish, and uh, she's not a fictitious character, and because a lot of it, I, I play a lot with with um, with symbolism. Mm. I take a lot of symbols from uh, iconography, Latin American iconography, international iconography, because I, I I'm a person of the I feel like I'm a person of the world. Yeah. So I kind of grab things that I have experienced through through my life and my journeys in life. Uh, but she's Daniela Carrasco. Mm. She was a, a street performer. And uh, she just happened to find herself right at the heart of the uprising, where she worked the streets, um, selling balloons to, to tourists, to people. And uh, she's a very, very interesting character. I love her very much. And she found herself right in the middle of the uprising. And it was like it gave people a, 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 a passionate meaning to their existence. It's like, you know, wow, I'm in the middle of it all. I'm right in the center of an up, a beautiful moment in history for Chile and for the world. She's a 36-year-old lady, and at the end of, because it started in October of 2019, and then at the end of October, her body is found hanging from some railings mm. in, a, in a public plaza park. So it was like, well, what happened to Daniela? You know, it's, it's, it's quite, quite impossible to believe that... Mm-hmm. Uh, this could have happened to her and then the police came back and said actually Daniela committed suicide so the family said well that's a little bit impossible because this is a very short railings she's a a, a smaller lady but you know the railings are probably around six foot tall it's not a place you would hang yourself from Mm. so it was suicide from hanging but that was very very difficult to believe and then some public uh, kind of uh, witnesses came forward and said actually they had seen Daniela arrested by the police uh, hours before her body was found and her body was tortured and raped so it's still the police still hold that daniela suffered from mental health issues she was suicidal already she had a, a lot of uh dis- mental disabilities emotional disabilities that led her to commit suicide but then you ask yourself and you're in the middle of a resurrection in the middle of the most passionate beautiful moment for the country mm. and you're right at the heart of it you have a purpose to live. Mm. You have a purpose to wake up the next morning. Everyone around you is passionate. Everyone around you is saying enough is enough. Let's make this world a better place. That is the last place. Even if you are vulnerable because of your mental disabilities or for whatever other reasons, anxiety, you know, you can call it many things. Mm-hmm. It's the last place you're going yeah. to take your life. So does she become this She became symbol. a symbol, a symbol yeah. of the uprising, a symbol of, of the front line. She became an icon. And uh, you can Google her. She's Googleable. You can find her everywhere. And her story is also there. Her, um, her to me, 
meant a lot. I, I, I really I couldn't stop seeing her image. I couldn't stop seeing her hanging from her body, hanging her, uh, uh, from the railings. And uh, I just felt like a huge sense of, of powerlessness, mm. but a sense of power as well. Yeah. And mm. I said, That's, that can't happen. This cannot happen. Her, her, her life can't just end there. It has to be, it has to be told. Her story has to be told. And um, so I felt that this would be a wonderful way to tell it. She, not only do I, in my art, do I say that she's an iconic symbol, the people themselves have created that symbol mm. for themselves. She is an icon for themselves, just like the street dogs that I, I mm, use yeah. them in, in other images as well. Yeah, can so you tell she, us more about the street dogs? That was really interesting as mm. well. Yeah, the street dogs are also super interesting because they also have a trajectory. Chile is, is uh, particularly students, university students have been protesting against inequality for quite some time. And then in the 1980s as well, there were some student uprisings. And this particular dog, uh, Negro Matapacos, he's known uh, by by people, um, became notorious because he would join the protests. Mm. So you had the front line that was protecting the, the, the protesters, but Negro Matapaco was protecting the front line. Mm. He was the front line of the front line. And being a street dog, he, for me, represented everybody who find themselves vulnerable everybody mm. who find themselves downtrodden mm. you know whoever you are yeah. in whatever position you might find so he was almost like those extra layers yeah. of vulnerability and he was just passionate to say well wait a minute no uh, you know this can't happen and and my fellow students oh, yeah. have a right to protest have a right to have a voice and I will protect them who are protecting yeah. the, the demonstrators. Like a guardian. It's almost like yeah. a guardian. And um, so, but he was notorious because he was super heroic. He was uh, hit a lot by water cannons, by oh. tear gas, by rubber bullets. And he kept coming and he didn't belong to anyone. There was no reason for him to be there, mm -hmm. but he found himself in all the protests. Mm. And other street dogs also joined in and they, you could see them. You can see the, pro the, the, the street dogs kind of defending <laughs> the students and attacking the, the, the water cannon and, and kind of attacking the riot police and kind of being super passionate and stuck. it's almost like he had a purpose to be yeah i, I think it's really you know? beautiful that you featured him a lot in your work mm -hmm. I think. And he had a yeah. purpose to be and and the students were really moved and kind of adopted him as one of their own and eventually he retired because he was hurt very badly by mm -hmm. by a lot of the protests that he attended to and that and he died he passed away so now is he's almost like become a, an angel Mm -hmm. And uh, he's been given now this iconic symbol of being a guardian. So for me, he's like a guardian angel of the, of the revolt. Oh. And uh, he, I, I picture him as such. So everything, mm -hmm. everything that I put in in, in my artwork yeah. has a particular symbolic meaning. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not something that because of my photographic background mm -hmm. and I, I'm kind of photojournalistic, kind of documentarian. Everything feels that when you first look at my work, that the stories told you the 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 most important elements yeah but with my work i have a lot of hidden symbolical things happening yeah. all around it and i wanted to speak because if you have a message that is very important to be told you can't afford it to be lost in the lines of abstract art yeah right that, yeah that's great let's mm -hmm. let's talk more about the symbolism so in the front line your piece the front line mm -hmm. uh, and your other works you feature kind of pride flags flags from the aboriginal communities in chile 
symbolism from the Black Lives Matter movement and the feminist movements. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, what's the reasoning behind that? Because we all deserve to exist. We all deserve to be members of society. It doesn't matter if I'm black, white, yellow, green, whether I, whether I, I mean, you know, if, if I fall in love, it doesn't matter if I fall in love with a woman, with a man. You know, transgender people, everybody has a right to, everybody has a right to be part of, of the human community, mm. you know, and that's super important. There, there, there is a lot of work to be done, you know, not long ago, you know, someone work, came, came in into a, a gay bar and shot and, and, and killed a lot of people. Yeah. And you think, what, in a country that embraces, embraces yeah. homosexuality in the US, yeah. in the US, and then, you know, embraces, you know, gay parade and, and, and since since you know gay pride ever 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 came about things have really progressed so how come people still you know what 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 motivates someone to do something as horrible as that i always feel that if you are vulnerable no matter what level of vulnerability that might be almost like you put yourself in in as a target for others that cannot understand cannot comprehend and and have fears or or and wish to express you know uh, violence, it, the, the target, the most vulnerable, and those are, are the vulnerable members of society. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, we have women presidents, you know, leaders in the world, queens, uh, they're women, <laughs> you know, and yeah. but they're still vulnerable in society because they still get targeted. Oh, yeah. And the Mimo was was a woman and, and she got targeted. We mm. got like Capuchas Rojas, uh, which are the feminist movement in Chile, mm. and they're fighting for, for rights for, for women. And you know, there's domestic domestic violence, domestic yeah. violence against women, yeah. and, and all around the world. We had them in Taiwan, yeah. in Britain, in Chile, everywhere. You know, yeah. everywhere in the world. And one of the things that really speaks for me a lot, and this is what kind of made it all happen for me. It really brought me down to tears. And I'm not scared. I'm a guy, and I'm a very macho guy, but I cry. Yeah, I cry to movies. Good, I cry to yeah. films. I, I, you know, it was the last movie that I cried with my daughter. Was yeah. you know the the Beauty and the Beast. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> you know, with I, my I daughter, we're like crying together. Yeah, oh, Mama Fairly is, yes, is like a strength. Yeah, beautiful. And then know, with this particular yeah. thing, I saw um, a placard of um, a shield by a protester in in Chile by one of these uh, feminist protesters in Chile that said, and I think it resonates very, very, very closely with the mime with the Mimo. I was not born a woman to have to die for being one. And I think that always, always brings me to tears because it's, I have a daughter, I have a wife, yeah, yeah. I have a mother, and I don't want them to, to go through this, you know. Yeah. Mm. I don't want you people out there to go through this. Yeah. Mm. And I have a responsibility, and I will take that responsibility, and I, you know, it's, we have to do it. It has to yeah. be done, because enough is enough. One thing that's also very univer- universal and everybody sort of has uh, opinion or feel very more familiar with it is pop culture. And pop culture also plays a huge role in your work, especially many of the works that uh, are featured in your exhibit now has images of Hello Kitty, how Pikachu. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you chose those as one of your like iconographies that you choose? Mm, yeah. Well, I've always been interested in, in, in pop culture. I mean, I like it. I, I love pop music and I listen to pop music and I listen to all kinds of music, but I really love it when I'm making art. Yeah, I have this now, you know, yeah. uh, playing in the powerful, background. Yeah. And but people recognize with, it. with this particular kind of imagery, um, I found myself in, in, in East Asia. I was traveling to Japan, I went to Hong Kong, and I, I, I'm really very attracted to East Asian culture, pop culture is everywhere you go, you know, everywhere you look. Uh, but with this particular imagery, it's very interesting because when we think about the West 
mobilizing itself and, and kind of spreading around the world, we forget that the rest of the world also exists. Mm. And the rest of the world is also mobilizing itself, and particularly the East is doing, doing it so through its creative mediums as well, yeah. through cinema, through art, South Korea with uh, K, you know, K-pop, K-dramas. Yeah. I mean, there <laughs> it is. You know, it is fascinating how they are coming out into the world, and we, you know, we forget that the West is coming here, but we're going there too. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, the East is also spreading. Sure, yeah. yeah. We're, and we're powerful at yeah. all various different different levels, mm. and the Hello Kitty and the Pikachu is already already imagery that's already been adopted by the young generation in Mm -hmm. Latin America. They already live with that. Especially in in their activism, right? And they brought it into the activism. They brought it into the activism because you you see the problem with activism is not not about bringing something negative. You become an activist because you want things to get better. Mm, That's the whole point, because you want things to improve. That's why you go into the street and say, enough is enough, enough is enough, so then you can have a better life. It's not for yourself, at least for your children, for mm-hmm. the planet, for the world. You don't come out into the streets because you want things to get worse. You come out into the streets because you want things to get really, really great, really better for everyone. Mm-hmm. And the young generation speak through pop art, yeah, mm-hmm. pop culture. And the particularly the young generation in Chile has taken it on board to say, wait a minute, our parents can't afford to be in the street because maybe they will be recognized and lose their jobs. Yeah. And uh, they can't even afford to, to give us the basic privileges of going to university, of education, healthcare, you know, pension, all the basic things that we should all have. And we know it's not like it's not coming out of our taxes. We're actually paying for it. Yeah. Mm. We're paying for these services. We're not asking it to come to us for free. Yeah. And so when we see that it's not going where it needs to go and the so-called 1% is, is, is living even more lavishly than everyone else in the world. And you think, well, wait a minute. So where is my money going to? Where yeah. are my taxes going to? Mm. And if my children can't afford to go to university, they're not getting an opportunity to educate, then what? What possibility are they going to have? Yeah, it's But then right. the young people in Chile are saying, what possibility am I going to have? And that's the beauty about the, what is called estallido social, which is the uprising mm. in Chile, because it was instigated by young teenagers. Mm. Yeah. And most of all, female girl yeah. teenagers, like 12, 13-year-old yeah. girls, mm-hmm. went out into the street and said, whoa, we're going to make a change. Mm. We're going to mobilize. Yeah. And we're going to do what our parents are not able to do. And then after that, the, you know, the, the rest of the community began to see, well, wow, our young girls are in the street. Our young people are in the streets. The university students went into the streets. The parents went into the streets. The uncles, grandparents, everybody went into the streets. Mm. And millions of people got mobilized in Latin America, yeah. and particularly in this case in Chile. And I thought, well, what an amazing place to be. Do you think these kind of protest movements, these uprisings can bring about significant change? Well, the idea is that we're being told that it can't. And that's what we are being constantly bombarded with. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do it mm-hmm. on your own. Of course, we can't do it on our own. Any kind of protest on your own cannot be, cannot really bring too much of a change because you can easily be wiped. You know, you can blow in the wind. Like any dust, a speck of dust can blow in the wind. You put many specks of dust together and you create a mountain and that's that mountain that we need. That's why all these movements, it, it, it's very, very important you know, a, a Chilean saying, you know, the Pueblo Unido jamás será vencido. United people can never be 
you know, broken down. And I think that's that's mm-hmm. super important that together we have to do it. This is a, a, a together thing. Yeah. And uh, so your exhibition at the moment is in Taipei. Mm-hmm. Are there other places in the world that you would like to show this work where you think it would be, you know, particularly significant? Obviously two places. Uh, this, I would love this to go back to Chile. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what, yeah. You know, because be I think I think Chileans need to know that they're not alone. Yeah. And that we are with them and the world is with them and just like everywhere else in the world i would like this to come back to england Mm. Uh, i think that would be wonderful if this can be seen in england as well because Mm. i think there's a lot of young people in england young people around the world but you know i am from england and i i I know that they're they're desperate to find a way forward they're Mm. desperate to know and they just need that little that little sparkle to yeah. say you can do it come on <laughs> we were already doing it you were already out there yeah covid happened but covid is now going and now let's continue let's continue with the struggle and, yeah. and, and it's, mm. it's not over and it's a really amazing place to be when people get together for beautiful reasons yeah beautiful things can come out of it and i think the greater movement obviously speaks like that to yeah. people that's why she motivates people mm. Mm. i think that's one of the most strongest feeling i, I felt from your exhibit because the, the subject matter that i deal with is very very heavy for some pieces but i always feel hopeful that there's a sense of hope in your work and it could be everything like the their work your work is very colorful and yeah, um, thank you and, and that's the beauty of porcelain yeah, yeah, yeah i mean out of all the clays that i i could have chosen and i've played around with uh, quite a lot of clays uh but porcelain has this amazing way to speak about vulnerability yeah, porcelain is very delicate yeah, it very vulnerable like it breaks, yeah. delicate and it has this beauty to it it's almost like you know it, it has this very delicate beauty but it it's it's vulnerable because life is vulnerable. We are vulnerable, and and you know it is has allowed me to kind of express all sort of feelings and emotions by this wonderful kind of um, form. Uh, it also speaks about Asia because it it was created here, it's invented here, taken yeah. by the Dutch. It has its yeah. history, so it's come with this combination that I am from the West, but I'm here in these. I will always have this connection now between these two worlds, Latin America, of course. So I'm like, you know, this triangle is kind of <laughs> triangular <laughs> thing now. And um, this kind of connectivity is there. And, and in my in my artwork, I, I create pieces that reflect that relationship. Mm-hmm. All my tools oh, yeah. are Asian tools. Yeah. I don't even use Western and tools w- one, one thing that I love as Taiwanese is I love that you have a stamp in, in many of your pieces with your tradition with your name in traditional Chinese characters. I, I love that. Yes, and yeah. this is this is very funny because <laughs> with my name it, it has Lei, mm. which means thunder. Thunder. And uh, whenever I go to to work in Inger, which is the the town for ceramic, it's a very famous ceramic town in in Taiwan. And I go the studio that I have is is there. And the aunties, are, you know, we really kind of love each other, and they really <laughs> enjoy because I come in and I bring and I dance for them, I sing for them, yeah. and I, you know, I kind of bring life into the studio. And I, you know, I'm super passionate, so yeah. I really love all these things. And I put music, and I, I do a little <laughs> bit of salsa and merengue. Oh, yeah, and I love salsa, and merengue. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and they, they kind of adopted me in a way. So they, well, my, they feed me and they feed me and they give me food, <laughs> and uh, I'm yeah. putting on so much weight. But they kind of they call me Lele. Oh, so that's the nickname yeah, that I have, Lele. Yeah. So it's like little little thunder. So I have all these kind of relationships, and with my particular stamp, it was um, uh, it was made for me uh, as a present for my wedding, mm. and uh, is the translation is the heart play. Mm-hmm. So it's from my heart. Mm. 
So whenever I, I sign, Beautiful. my artwork yeah. is from my heart. Oh, yeah, I, I from love the heart that. of yeah. life. That's what that's I find really very nice. cool to be to be Taiwanese and to use traditional Chinese. There's so much meaning. It's so the, poetic. Yeah, two to three Amazing. characters in your name. Yeah. Mm. And do you have any ideas which themes you would like to explore next in your work? Yeah. I think I want to go back to anthropology. I think mm -hmm. anthropology is is my background, my kind of academic background, and I I want to go back to that because anthropology allows me to look at the world uh, from an international eye, from an international global lens. And um, so that is is kind of a, a way that I want to kind of progress with this because it's, you know it I get really excited when I do things that I really like, mm, uh, yeah. feel passionate about. I'm working on a piece right now which uh, explores. Um, it was meant to be part of this exhibition, but oh. I didn't manage. So it's also to in porcelain. Or? Also in porcelain. Mm. I'm also painting in porcelain as well, and I paint in porcelain following um, the traditions uh, of uh, mural muralist mm -hmm. tradition. Mm -hmm. uh, Diego Rivera is quite a yeah, famous uh, yeah. Mexican muralist, great, also yeah. with his social commentary yeah. in his work. Mm. So his his work is absolutely amazing. Yes. River, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, Frida Kahlo as well, of course. Oh, uh, yeah, Latin I Americans are quite good at at, at, at using uh, social doc, uh, uh, commentary in in the, uh, the iconography of their work and and um, kind of the f wonderful muralists. But I want to be able to create mural-like images that are also transferable, that are portable. So it's oh. almost like you can move the murals with you. It's almost like you, you can mm. take them along with you. So you can pack them up and take them to Britain, oh. take them to, <laughs> to Chile, yeah. take them mm -hmm. wherever they need to be taken mm -hmm. and enter public spaces, private spaces, uh, a white wall oh, that, exhibition yeah. that you can take your artwork. You, you're almost like you're taking your mural, but you're taking yeah, yourself. You're mobilizing, you're in, mobilizing way, yeah. in, in a way, oh, uh, something that. that is meant to be or understood as very static. Y yes. You know, so yeah. there's the mural, but you can't move the wall. <laughs> so in, in this, by using this particular process, you are able to move the wall and mm. you can take the wall oh, with I you. I love, yeah, yeah I, I love how you nice. tell stories. It's really, yeah, I have, I'm having like, I'm <laughs> you can visualize inspired. it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That's, and that's the beauty of visual anthropology because you can put, you can put all these wonderful ideas into a, into a visual uh, medium. And, and I think that's super exciting to do and it's very exciting for me. So I'm t I'm at the last project that I'm making is the uh, La Tirana, which is like a, a um, an indigenous kind of uh, mm -hmm. dance and, and uh, uh, festival in the north of Chile. I'm calling the La Tirana of the Revolt. So it's like the the, the, the festival or the uh, of, of the revolt. So I want to kind of grab these kind of situations uh, around the world with other communities, even in Taiwan, mm -hmm. uh, other countries where I look at the uh, of how people take take on uh, local culture, mm. the all local practices, mm. and then bring them out into the into the global sphere with social elements into it, political social mm. elements into that. Mm. So kind of combine, continue to combine and make it make the exhibition a little bit more kind of like a little bit more global. Yeah. Kind of keep continue with that. Yeah. So I would really recommend. Um, everyone to check out your exhibition and I believe it's on until February the 11th yes it will continue until February the 11th mm -hmm. it is it's closed for for a, a week during the um, Chinese New Year mm -hmm. but uh, uh, on the 31st it will open up again okay amazing at the VT Art Salon that's mm -hmm. correct yes yes yeah, well thank you so much for coming in today I super um, enjoyed thank learning thank you very much and, and bring your hankies in case you have to wipe a couple of tears but <laughs> the color yeah, and the beauty of, of should be yeah listeners you should check it out yeah it's really okay. good bye all the best bye bye, bye, -bye.